Blake, can you hear me? I bought yes, this. Hello. I bought this megaphone on Amazon one day when I was a little bit tipsy, and it makes like little. Oh my god! god. Little wow. noises. What? Um, <laughs> People are always complaining that they can't hear me. New for ninety six with your hosts Kevin McCauley and Chris Wynn. We are well on our way to a fourth unusable podcast with Blake Z. <laughs> Rock. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Maybe we should introduce our guest. Yes. Uh, now that Vermont has finally gotten dial-up, mm-hmm. we're able to have guest star. Is it a guest star? Guest. Yeah. Uh, Blake sure Z. Bit. Wrong. <laughs> All the way from uh, Montpelier. Is that how you say it? Montpelier? Mont- Don't worry about it. It's not, it's not a real place. Montpelier? <laughs> uh, Vermont. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Blake, um, what cars did you see in Vermont today? Chris, I'm extremely disappointed to be associated with Vermont in any capacity. So oh please, my. let's just say that I'm kind of floating in my Zeppelin instead. God. I thought you were going to say you're extremely disappointed to be associated with this podcast. So that took a, po- a pleasant turn. I was about I was, to say. I was pleased. I know. because I was, I was being charitable, but yeah, I am. <laughs> that like tall glass <laughs> of maple so syrup. <laughs> that tall glass of maple syrup next to your hand right now says otherwise, but... <laughs> I should have well, bought a maple stout instead. Honestly. Oh my You're god! Right. Yeah. Well, let's, I do stop now, so that's um. So that's all right. Let's get into it. Let's yeah. Talk let's about stop for let's next get <laughs> Kevin's worst getting, nightmare. Getting into it. Two people who have owned show. sobs yeah. uh, on the show. So, uh, yeah, let's get this thing started. Um, so, Blake, how are you doing today? What is the weather like there? Is it also 190 degrees as it is here in Houston, Texas? No, it's, it's 85 degrees, a high of 85 degrees. My friend and I just drove from Montpelier to Burlington, which is about 36 miles, in mm-hmm. my Saab. To visit the went, coat factory. Listen, exactly. We had to get some coats. We had yep. to get some winter parkas, yep. some $23, $23 winter coats. And then um, we went there. We went to a barcade. We played a bunch of pinball which was nice. It was mm. a very 80s day. Mm. I bought a couple cassettes, and then on the way back, the saw was stuck in traffic, and the uh, the uh, hot, cool needle, the thermostat, I, so, I should say, was... Uh, <laughs> the temperature, temperature That's day. why you're the professional car writer guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't think. Yeah, it's a science thing. I don't really know science. Anyway, mm-hmm. the uh, temperature needle was ticking upwards ever so slightly, and I was quite nervous. Yes. As you do at a sob, and that would have been, quote-unquote, the true sob story. Yes, oh. it's true. Wow, we got a title. Well, it was just sitting there, so it was like nothing can go wrong if uh, it's not moving, or if I'm not moving, but why don't I just overheat? So, <laughs> Um, uh, right. We didn't give Blake a proper introduction. Yeah. Blake is a real automotive journalist, TM, uh, right. and he's worked at the Peterson Museum in LA mm-hmm. and uh, written for all the pub- all the great publications. Yep. Uh, all the good ones. All of them. And, and uh, he is a like? Saab owner now. Yes. And a uh, longtime enthusiast you... and friend of us. And, yeah, uh, indeed. We've done some road trips together and yeah. collaborated a few times. And, and You've uh, been to my house twice and sat on my motor bike twice, mm-hmm. bottomless, I might add. Um, yeah. And yeah, you may also know him from being extremely online, which is what the Z stands for in Blake Z wrong. Blake is extremely online. Wrong. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've written for all the favorite publications, Car and Drivel, Road mm-hmm. and Drek, mm-hmm. Auto Week, it's W-E-A-K. Yep. yep. Oh. oh, my God. Good old classic, some good old classic burdens right there from back in the, back in the uh, letter writing days. <clears throat> Could you talk into your microphone? <laughs> 
No, I'd rather not. You don't have any. You don't want to hear what I have to say, right? <laughs> he makes a good point. He does. Yeah. Oh man, this is our first attempt too. To uh, well, no, this is not our first attempt. This is, this is our third attempt to have Blake, Blake on the yeah, show. Blake has actually been on several hidden episodes that we buried in the time capsule. The lost episodes, just like the lost emojis. Yeah, more like the Nixon tapes. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, they're actually buried in the desert somewhere outside California. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah. Well, along with my sweater from that SC430. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're in Joshua Tree. Yeah, Blake and I drove to Joshua Tree back in uh, a couple years ago. Yeah. And we, I, we, Kevin was... Exclusively, we ex- listened exclusively to a Leonard Skinner Greatest Hits cassette. We did. Because the Lexus SC430 is the last car to have been... Uh, made with a cassette player back in 2008. Yeah, so ours ours was a 2005, but uh, it was a lot of fun. We did a burnout, and I lost a sweater that I really liked. Yeah, in the car, Kevin finally in the in the folding top mechanism was so happy to finally be yeah. able to wear his sweater around his neck jauntily for mm-hmm. the first time ever. Yes, so, and it, not, matched, it was off white. It matched the car. Yeah, <laughs> it was a very Lexus SC 430 aesthetic. It Actually, really this does this does say um, this is one of our first road trips adventures together, Kevin, you and I. Because we did yeah. drive out to Palm Springs. We drove out to Palm Springs. We went to the Air Museum. We saw an actual Hellcat. We did. Oh, we got the greatest tour from this lady who was the docent at the Palm Springs Air Museum. And she was boasting about all the planes. And then she's like, well, if you Wait. like these, you really got to see our Hellcat. And we just lost it. And so we had her. She told us all these facts. She knew everything about it. And then she took a goofy picture of us standing in front of it, pointing at the plane. <laughs> Lost it. It, it, yeah. was, it was incredible. Well, Kevin, Kevin hadn't shaved in months. He looked like the Unabomber. Yep, this yeah. was the height of time when we were making Hellcat jokes on Twitter because Kevin was so enamored with the 707 number. Yep. Kevin, do you want to re- you want to explain that for people who weren't online back in uh, 2014? Uh, no, no, I don't feel okay. the need to. No, you know, but, I, it, wait. To make it as brief as possible, I was every when the Hellcat came out, everyone lost their mind over this number except me, and then I ironically was all into the number. 707. Yep. The thing I didn't really get was that like the Cobra, the Shelby Cobra had like 662 like three years earlier. Good number. And Should have had power. Yeah. Did you say 420? Anyway, uh, so 707, it, it was just so stupid of a thing to like obsess over. And then I just went all in ironically and then it became real. And then it became real. Uh, and then I drove some Hellcats. And they're, I mean, they're fun, as fun as you would expect something like that to be like a couch yeah. with a million horsepower. Yeah. You guys are also missing uh, or not explaining the more entertaining part of the story, which was the beginning of the trip and how you ended up with an SC430 as your Toro selection. Oh, because I loved it? No. Oh, we're getting there, Chris. We're oh, getting there. Is that what you're referring to? No. Uh, well, Blake, why don't you get there? Uh, okay, so it was me, Kevin, and um, our good friend, friend of the pod, Jeff Jablanski, and we had all re- rented... Se- well, actually, Jeff did it because he was still like a real auto journalist back at the time. But, he uh, had a Hellcat that week, and we saw him, a- we saw him for 45 minutes. Yeah, and um, I rented a PT, quote-unquote, this was listed on Turo, PT Sport Cruiser. Not a real model. Not a real model. It was red with racing stripes, white racing stripes. I rented it from a, a very tall Russian guy who looked like Ivan like Ivan Drago and I met him on the in the parking lot of the Staples on Wilshire Boulevard in LA. And we met and him, we met him again 23 hours later when you returned the car a full day early. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then what did Jeff have? He had a Hellcat. Yeah, and he, it had was Hellcat. All he had a press car Hellcat. Oh, did I thought he toured something else? Uh, probably a different trip. Different trip. We, uh, there was a few. There was a few LA was, Toro ventures. What was the one where he rented the Westfalia? Uh, that was like six months earlier. Oh my god. Okay, yeah. that was what I was thinking. Oh. Of okay, never mind. Combine mm. those two trips mentally and fun. Um, yeah. Blake, how was the PT Cruiser, by the way? Was it sporty? It was everything I had always uh, wanted in an automobile and then more. Yeah. We, again, just like you and I do, Chris, Blake and I went everywhere in, in two separate cars in LA, which yep. makes the most possible sense. Yep. And I and we swapped. I let him drive the, the Lexus while I was driving. The, I drove the PT Cruiser for like five minutes and he said he could hear me because I was just like peeling out, like mashing the <laughs> throttle everywhere I went. <laughs> he said he could hear me like burning up the tires oh from another vehicle you're really smoking the front meats there buddy <laughs> yep yeah i was putting the sport in sport cruiser and then when you picked up the sc430 uh you were a little too eager and so the owner had to put you in your place a little bit it wasn't as much pulling putting me in my place as he was uh getting to the features of the vehicle and he was explaining to me the car it was in burbank he was explaining to me the car like, it was seriously it was seriously like a like a product presentation at a car launch. Yeah, it was like I had never been in a car before. So he's showing me all of the things. He's like, this is this is brake, and then this is your throttle and steering and turn signals you'll find over here. And I was like, Yeah, I was like, and I was hoping to speed this up and I'm feigning excitement. I'm like, Yeah, but what about that folding hard top? And he's like, Oh, we're getting there. I mean, he was he knew that was the you know piece de resistance. Oh, so he was yeah. saving it for the end of the fifteen minute presentation. And Blake was there giggling. I think he ran off to the bushes to continue giggling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As you to do. Pee, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hands so. to his mouth like a geisha. Yes. He squealed with excitement. Right. Yeah, I actually said tee hee hee hee. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, then we, and then we drove and then we drove to a strip mall parking lot in um some part of the valley, like Reseda or something. And then Jeff had to bail because he was he had going, dinner dinner with Sarah's parents, I think. Oh well that's boring. I was yeah. I thought he had jet off to go to today's office. Hashtag uh, today's yeah, that was fun. That was our first. There was our first trip. Um, yeah. we had a rural Airbnb right in Mid City, and then we, the next day I returned the PG Cruiser twenty four hours early. Got my money back, no questions asked. To be fair. And then um, we drove out to Joshua Tree in the SC430. Did some really cool light painting shots. Yeah. Put the, up, put the hard top down about a million times. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Smoke the tires yeah. on sand. The rear meat, right? And then uh, just blasted Leonard Skinner the entire time. By the way, Leonard Skinner, greatest hits, no simple man. What the fuck? It was, it's an outrage. Complete outrage. Give me three singles more like, am I right? Oh my God. So what, what was, that was the first of our trips. What was your favorite of our trips that, um, that we did? All of, the, you know all of them were never for stories. Like uh, all of them were ostensibly for a story. Like, could you give us a Nissan Armada for a story? And then it just never went anywhere. But you know, there was the, the Chaparral one was, was a story. Chaparral was great. You know what, Kevin, I was going to say all of them. All oh, of them. Aww, that's sweet. That's and so a lie. Helpful. Yeah. And a huge lie. But actually, you know what? The, honestly, the Chaparral trip was so much fun fun one because i did an i personally think i did a really great job in that story i, I thought, thought you were gonna I, say you did a really good slide with that corvette because you did i did a really, oh my god i did a really sweet in the middle of the um what was that weird park that was dirt themed sand dunes like, yeah <laughs> it was like some kind of great sand dunes park not public we went to that on a different trip yeah yeah uh, we but we, uh, we've been to some cool stuff in west texas yeah no we went to west texas about three times i think the um i think the shop trip was great because it was actually i was genuinely like uh, not not ironically excited to meet everyone who was working at the museum. I was, yeah. Oh, it's great to meet the docent who was the nicest guy ever. It was great to meet all these like, 
dudes who were part of this chaparral society. Even one of the engineers who had worked on the chaparral was kind of a jerk, but he was uh, at least he got some good info out of him. Yeah, and um, we had a red Corvette with a six-speed manual. It was awesome. Seven-speed manual, six-speed. baby. <laughs> Maybe, it was, yeah. It was a seven. So give, a, give an overview of that trip just briefly um, for the people that didn't cu- tune into your fantastic road and track article. Thank you. This is where you <laughs> give an overview. <laughs> just like, what did we go out there? What did we do? Who is What is Chaparral for the people that may not okay. know? Chaparral was a, one of the most innovative race teams probably founded in the 60s by Jim Hall, who was an oil man out in Midland. And he developed some of the early, earliest aerodynamic experiments, including adjustable giant rear wings. He was one of the first people to put a spoiler on the back of a car. He um, he also developed the uh, 2J fan car, which is the most incre- one of the most incredible Can-Am cars ever to race. It, uh, Jackie Stewart drove it, I believe. I think who else? Um, uh, Vic Elford. Vic Elford. And yeah, it was exactly what you imagine. It was basically a Rockwell helicopter engine bolted to the back of a big block Chevy experimental motor. And the Rockwell helicopter motor actually generated a fan that would suck the car three or so inches to the ground lower. And the thing would corner like magic. But it would also kick up a ton of pebbles and dirt and send them into the cars behind it. Which, by the way, every car was behind it at that point. (laughs) Yeah, well, it made it when it worked because it was pretty unreliable. But what was cool about it was the... the f- it sucked down so it had downforce even in slow corners. So slow corners, medium speed corners, it had downforce like a high speed corner. Yeah, it was incredible and it was the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, and every year, all the Chaparral cars are in the Petroleum Museum out in Midland, Texas. If you've ever if you're yeah. passing through I-10, stop by, look, there are all the hits of it. And um, Chaparral has an uh, event a gathering where they run one of the cars around the track and you get to talk to Jim Hall and meet all the people who worked on the cars and everything. And this year, it was the 2J, so I had to go and Kevin and I had to go take a look. Yeah, it's so cool. Jim Hall still owns all the cars, but they're like on view, on loan at the Petroleum Museum. That's very cool. So it's definitely cool worth checking out. I don't think yeah. it's off i10 though i think it's pretty far it's a, it's a little bit of ways off of that but definitely worth it the best part was the museum staff were so friendly that they let us do anything with the car like, oh involved. yeah oh did, so wait, did you guys drive the car we didn't drive the car because it's like a one of one yeah. thing but we did so the day after they, they do this event on friday night and they have all the people that are like the donors of the museum come yeah they they come and see the car jim hall who's the engineer and the owner he drives it on like the loop of yeah. the museum so the next day there was no one there and the docent uh i think his name's keith we he he was he was there with us he supervised us but we pushed the car out of the museum yeah. into the back lot and shot it with our corvette yeah. and stuff and got to you know he let us sit in it and everything that's and cool it was just cool because it's like it's you know there's only one so right you see yeah. this car in racing books and everything yeah. and that's that's the that's one the like yeah. it's it they built they built like you know i would say one or less than one of every chaparral they raced mm-hmm. chaparrals for like 10 years in uh can-am and in um the whatever FIA GT was at the time, yep. sport, you know, sports car races, international. Uh, there was one or less than one car because a lot of the cars kind of became the next generation. They'd get morphed mm. and modified. So there's like some that you see in the photos that just don't exist now yeah. because he made maybe six or seven cars, mm. you know, in that era total. Yeah. Um, but each one was a different generation and an evolution. Anyway. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, what should we... That was one of the most fun stories we ever did. And, you know, I, I don't think it was the first <clears> one, but it was definitely, you know, the beginning of a beautiful collaboration. Indeed. Yeah. Like that summer that you were doing road and track, uh, weekend stories and I kept pitching you to not even pitching stories I would do pitching you I was like hey you should write a story about ideas, PT I, cruisers I, I, I desperately needed they were all about Plymouth Prowlers I mean all of the yeah. ideas and you did one 
one of my favorite stories I ever wrote during my weekend stint at Road and Track, which was the uh, the car bra you could buy for your trailer for your Plymouth Prowler. <laughs> Wait, this was the the bra for the trailer. Yes, it's a real product. It exists. Yeah. How does that this fit? Directly, this is not the bra for the Plymouth Prowler, which you can still buy. This is the bra for the Plymouth Prowler's trailer, which yes. you cannot buy. You don't. No. I mean, you don't want those rear meats on that minivan powered hell no. uh, prowler kicking up rocks at nope. your trailer. Nope. That Precious, purple paint. Precious trailer. Uh, which you I want this camera size two thirty five with tires. Really, you know. <laughs> yeah, I found one on Craigslist the other day for sale. Trailer. You knew what he had. Yeah, just the trailer. Just the trailer. What do those go for now? Uh, I think he was selling it for like ten thousand or something. What? Yeah, you knew what he had. It was. I I remember. I used to know. I think it was like a five grand option. Was it really? New. So. So by that count, the Prowler should have just been a fifteen thousand dollar car. The Prowler was like forty five. That is intense. It's still guess what? It's still forty five thousand. Still forty five. Yeah, that's true. Oh my god. You know what? During my research for that story, I stumbled across the Plymouth Prowler forums because, of course, and oh, you know, five, what is five it called? I think it's just called Plymouth Prowler forums. Oh, it's not called. That's like, disappointing. Prowler. Nothing, uh, nothing as bad as uh, what is the Saab one? Um, Saabnet. Saabnet. Oh, isn't it uh, Saab.net? <laughs> no, it's Saabnet.net. The Prowler form should be called Registered Prowlers. Oh, <laughs> they would. I imagine the demographic would absolutely love that. Actually, yes. Well, the demographic, <laughs> as Blake may be about to say, and I'm beating him to the punch, is that a lot of those people, it's like they die, and it's like, yep. oh, we lost another member this week, and yep. it's very sad. It's oh, like no. a real downer. Mm. Well, you know, my my kids don't want to buy. Uh, my kids don't want my Plymouth Prowler when I pass on because you know they're too busy eating avocado toast. Am I right, folks? Yeah, they don't know the joys of the auto stick it's like the kids right. don't know yeah. how to drive auto stick anymore <laughs> yeah you, yeah you know can't you can't teach your kids to you know shift through those four minivan gears anymore right? <laughs> without a clutch yeah no clutch baby but uh yeah the people turns out people don't really want to pony up for five grand for a plymouth prowler you know they've already spent enough of their grandkids college tuition so they end up making their own trailers and i remember seeing one trailer that was shaped like a little ford mustang mm. it warms your heart it doesn't it so blake yeah uh mm. We'll ask Hello. you some car questions, and then we'll get to the sobs. And since I'm editing the episode, I will probably cut that out, um, including mm-hmm. this. Yep. So, like, your car history. Uh, history is a uh, 2000 Mazda Miata. Mm. And then I moved to Austin and bought a 1987 Porsche 924S for mm. two reasons. One, it was near me. And two, it was 1987, the year I was also made. Mm-hmm. And three... I think the owner's manual said it was made in West Germany, which I think is very neat. Mm-hmm. That is. That's it. That's the only reasons why I bought those. Turns out it was not a great car. It was a great car. You just you drove it like a total of 200 miles. And then you sold it I on that? Like it. I, was, I was also a fancy boy and I didn't have AC. But um, it was, it was all right. I think it was, um, I bought it from this older guy who just honestly was really depressing because he was selling it to buy another two Harleys. And he spent the entire, he was just the dorkiest guy I ever met. And he spent the entire time making fun of his autistic son and it got really bad real bad you know he's like oh my son he doesn't really he, he's uh he's kind of on a spectrum you would say he doesn't really like cars and i was like doesn't appreciate the auto stick yeah <laughs> he doesn't can't handle a clutch he's not a real man can't handle a clutch uh 
you can ask Steph this. She went out with me twice to pick up the car and then also to uh, check out the car in the first place. Because also, of course I would talk to Steph. I'm writing this. a note down. Ask Steph. Yes. Would, ask, she's ask, been heavily she lived, involved in that car's life. She also helped you uh, to unload it, right? She she literally lived around a corner for me at the time. Yeah. Um, and also she's a big she's a big 924 944 nerd. Of course, she is. As we, uh, no. Yep. Yep. Uh, does she that, have? She has. Well, a, she has the race car, but she's the, just the race car. Okay, I thought there yeah. was a one that was actually street drivable. No. Okay. No. She just drives the race car on the street sometimes. Ah, there you go. Yes, and calls every car Porsche. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. Wait. So wait. So that that car wasn't that car probably should have just been like warning signs all through and through because one, it drove pretty rough, and turns out the balance shafts needed to be adjusted when I took it to its first uh, post purchase inspection. Mm-hmm. I never do a pre purchase inspection because I'm a rube, you see. So I always just take it to the dealer afterwards because I don't want to annoy the seller because I'm a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to upset them. Because, uh, you know, the big old Mitsubishi derived four cylinder had to have balance shafts and they were out of sync. So that timing uh, had to be set in place. It was not and Mitsubishi uh, derived, was it? It was a Audi Volkswagen something. No, the the uh, the 924 regular was an Audi derived motor. The 944 motor, which this was, um, at least used Mitsubishi balance shaft technology for. Wow. Oh, I had no idea. So I didn't realize the harsh Lancer unity that Steph lives with every day. Yeah. That's right there, baby. That's the that's the access powers. The uh, the car came with, I think, two receipts. One was for an oil change and one was for uh, Pelican parts and it was the uh, sunroof gears that were plastic that needed to be replaced. So apparently, the guy told me that everything ran well and the sunroof now worked. And then a week later, I operated the sunroof and the gear stripped. So... <laughs> 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 Welcome to any Porsche yep, ever. Basically. Yeah. Also, I hate sunroofs. The one in the Saab works flawlessly, and I don't know why. <laughs> my play is only seen in the Saab that will work someday. Yes. Wait, uh, explain that. So, uh, new- so let's keep the sob stuff for later. Okay, so when fine. I cut it out, it's all in one lump. Yep, yep, yep. Perfect. So Wait, then after uh, the 944, which you sold on Bring a Trailer, which is pretty cool. 924. 924. One thing I did like about that car was that I was able to find 928 wheels for it. They fit perfectly because when it when I bought the car, it came with these like uh, Cup 2 wheels from a 964. At least that's what I thought. They looked like that. <laughs> Three were fake. One was real, right? No, no, no. Three were made by Borbit and one was unbranded from Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hospitaliano. Okay, I sold them on eBay for uh, for a pretty good price to a guy in Dallas. And honestly, for the price I spent like shipping them and packaging them, I should have just driven up and delivered them to his house. But he paid for shipping, so it was all right. Shipping and uh, yeah, actually, actually pretty good with the 920. You, that was the only repair you needed to do on that car, right? Those uh, two. Just a bunch of just, the, um, the horn didn't work because some of the wires were, um, I think, cross-threaded with the lower power steer, with the lower uh, uh, steering column, so I needed to get their steering column replaced to fix the horns for some reason. Yep. And then the power steering had a huge leak in it, which, you know, I didn't really care. I was going to swap out a manual rack, but manual racks were like 400 bucks, so... Well, and you had like a... It was like a master cylinder or clutch slave or something issue, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every manual car I've ever owned has had a master slash slave cylinder explode on me, so it's just a matter of time with the Saab, which already did go through its clutch uh, issues. And- Sounds like a driver <laughs> error. So anyway... <laughs> So what do you have no, after that? What do you have after that? Which again, you sold that 924s on Bring a Trailer, which was pretty cool, and mm-hmm. it went pretty well. And you were extremely online during that auction. I was going to say, like, you were there to reply to the comments within seconds, even sometimes before they finished typing. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I really was expecting worse comments out of that. I was really expecting people to really rake me through the coals over that. Or at least I was expecting someone to, you know, reminisce about having sex with a girl in a 924S back in 1980. The S stands for sex. Uh, they went to Lover's Lane. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Necking. Um, no, it sold pretty well. Um, I didn't lose too much money out of the entire thing. And then I bought a Fiat 500. This is the old classic one, the Cinque Cento. Cinque, Cinque Cento. <laughs> oh my God, Blake! I have to apologize to my co-host. That was a double entendre of inappropriate proportions. I don't know Italian. Right. Listen, listen. When you hear your family, all right. I'm not going to hold this against Kevin. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it was the. 50th anniversary one i was making was a the, joke that it was that it was an old one and then you'd say no it was a 2015 it was the 1957 edition oh my god it was the 1957 edition because you know when you think 1957 cars baby you think one car only one car only you know you're thinking you're thinking hit the jukebox with your hand and get that buddy holly playing you're thinking going up to lover's lane you're thinking of drag racing you're thinking of the fiat 500 baby that's right <laughs> yeah in pistachio yeah, that's what i'm thinking it was it a was, good it was a good uh spec'd car it was that pistachio green with the tan interior darkly the brown very rich brown interior with white and everything do you uh, know what car that car was fantastic it was one of the most reliable things of her own except for two things that happened before turning ten thousand miles i bought it at 1600 miles in san antonio from a honda dealership and this is why because i looked at the carfax and it said the ecu had been replaced at 800 miles so someone someone had spent probably twenty four thousand dollars on this thing because this thing was loaded and stickered for way more than any fiat 500 has a right to be and then had to go to get the ECU replaced and it was like you know what screw this I'm gonna get a Honda fit yep. yeah I mean when you replace the ECU under warranty that's called hospitaliano yep hey you know hey unlimited unlimited ECU replacements and salads for everyone <laughs> <laughs> keep those rocks coming they uh no- so reliable. I had, I had two things done under warranty. Actually, three things done under warranty, and it was one: the steering column had a bolt stripped from it for, in the factory, which is hilarious to me. That is and hilarious. Two, Basically, like, were these built at like the Italian equivalent of like the Numi plant before Toyota? Yeah, they only make Fiat 500s on Fridays. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, this was built in Mexico, so you're all racist. Oh well, there you go. Um. So then you. Um, the starter motor and battery crapped out because you know I would drive somewhere and w- and 30 minutes later I'd come out and I'd have to get it jumped. Amazing because the starter motor was broken. So I took it to the uh, dealer once. I think took it, your yeah, car you was broken and you went to the dealer. And I don't know. It was a thing. Austin. Was, anyway, let's move on. You've bought another car. Ever had because we were in your uh, your wife's also pastel colored mini. Yeah, which has never had a debilitating failure. Knock on wood. No, and you've also put you've also put exactly 10,000 miles more than on that than I did when I sold the Fiat. Really? About three months. Yeah. I sold it at like 31,000 miles and I was like really hyping up the fact that it still had its factory warranty. And then I checked and turns out the factory warranty expired at the end of the month. Really? Wow. So it was technically true. Yeah, that's the best time to sell a Fiat. It's true. It is yeah. now currently just a pile of like screws, gears, and body panels. And speaking as one of the three of us that will probably never have a car under warranty again, <laughs> <laughs> you got to use it. So your next car after that um, was... I'm going to insert the Simpsons door sound uh run off (laughs) (laughs) and you'll go and you'll go that was kevin that was kevin uh a saab 900 turbo (laughs) 
quick question. Did we bully yeah. you into buying this Saab 900 in our group chat? Because I hope we did. You really did. Honestly, Kevin, this is all your fault. Good. Because I, I test drove, so I test drove this car in September, last September with my friend who, Charles, who was an even bigger Saab nerd than I am. We were coming back from British, uh, British invasion, this car show up in Stowe, Vermont. And he had been up there in his Jaguar XKR, which is great and also perpetually smells like gasoline, which mm-hmm. is a little disconcerting. But uh, we drove out to Cabot, Land of Cheese, and about 20 minutes away from my place. And um, this young dude with very good hair named Chip was selling, was living in this gigantic, dilapidating uh, house that he had inherited from his parents. And out front was parked a 77 Eldorado, a rubber bumper MGB, a Triumph Scrambler motorcycle, and that Saab. And I test drove it and thought it was awesome. But at the time, I couldn't really summon the funds for it. And then also, uh, he didn't want me to drive it in the winter, which is fair. You, so, yeah, you told us that it was too nice to drive. It was too nice to buy it because you're like, I'm not going to be able to take proper care of it. It's it's immaculate. Yeah. Uh, immaculate still strong on that stance. <laughs> but then the winter happened. And uh, about nine to 11 months later, uh, a winter ended. And Kevin <laughs> Kevin found the car on Vermont Craigslist and sent it to me. And I was like, oh, my God, it's still it's still alive. It's still like kicking around. And then I actually had some funds. So because I just sold a Fiat. So I went and bought it. That's amazing. And that is amazing. Well, congrats. You know, we, I was trying to bully you, of course. But I always mm-hmm. I always joked because you didn't have interest in Porsches or anything. Well, not I me, mean, not really, not more than casual. And then you bought this 924 and it seemed like you had bought it by accident. I liked to joke to you and behind you. And it was it was as if I was like, I know that Blake is going to just find something else. I'm like, hey guys, maybe I should buy a Jaguar XJS. And like, he's going to take his Saab funds. And after telling us about Saabs for four years, he's going to buy a Jaguar <laughs> XJS because it was local and it was there and it was green. And I was like, this can't happen. Kevin, Blake has to buy a Saab. We've gotten these links of Saabs for so long. And so you did buy a Saab. So now I have to so shut up. The whole the whole Saab thing was a joke because I was kind of being ironic about it. I was like, I'm not going to buy a Saab. And every time I would ask None of you, us knew that you were ironic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I explicitly said that anyway. <laughs> So because of my general shit posting nature, I would always send a sob and be like, should I buy this? Joking, obviously. And then you guys would be like, yeah, go fucking buy it. And <laughs> yes. then I, so we no, took it to I'm heart not- and bully you into buying <laughs> this car. Well, you bullied me into buying this car, and turns out it's the best car I've ever owned, and one the second best vehicle I've ever owned because I stole my Moto Guzzi, and that thing rules. But uh, yeah, thank you for finding this soft for me again, and that's why Kevin secretly likes soft. Pass it on. That's fantastic. Well, it looks good. I wanted to see it. You know, I almost had the opportunity to see it last you month. Had the yeah, and, uh, I'm sorry before you bought it. Uh, that we would call you up in the middle of the night and play you clips from Sideways. Uh, it's like I haven't seen four times already. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so, fun fact, that car is a courtesy car. If you are in the LA area and you get your soft service at Walter Wan's Right Solution on Venice uh, Boulevard in Venice, right by the where Venice Boulevard meets the 10, yep. that car was for a long time the courtesy car that they would lend you if you didn't work on there. What a horrible car to lend out as like a courtesy car because I bet you the top didn't work. Um, or anything well, you know, else for that matter. If you're bringing your Saab in, you're probably used to that. That's true. Yeah. I took, I took my Saab to the local de- uh, local Saab specialist here. They lent me a 
five wagon, like the facelifted one. Oh, last yeah. face the day with a man- yeah, the day Edna with a manual, and it was great. That's rare. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah. we, tell us about tell us about your sob just for the yeah. layperson. Oh yeah, We've we have not described many, it at many, all. Several listeners that may not know. Okay, so this is the true sob story Keep here. Keep it brief. Uh, yes, uh, eighty five nine hundred. Um, <clears throat> the first owner was a Canadian serviceman who imported it via the Saab VIP diplomat program from Bremerhaven, Germany. I, I have the shipping manifest and all the receipts from when he shipped it from Germany to Spokane, Washington. He lived there for a bunch of years. He moved to Prescott, Arizona, and he took to the SOB specialist who, and then um, put 270,000 miles on it and then sold it to the guy I bought it from. So I'm the third owner. Fantastic. And I I just crossed 100,000 miles about three weeks ago. Three hundo. Three hundo. That is pretty amazing, actually. I'm looking forward to putting 420,000 miles on it. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. And then I would drive it off a bridge. Perfect. It's inevitable fate. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, what do you think of it? Is it everything you hoped it would be and more? Honestly, yeah, it's um, you know a little sometimes when I drive it, there's like uh, but you know I've taken it to a, a couple specialists, just one, and then another guy took a look you at didn't it. Say anything? You just sort of trailed off. There's a couple what? A couple specialists I took it to. Just one shop I took it to, and then a guy in town. Because, you know, in Vermont, there's just sobs, old sobs crawling around there everywhere. There are sobs everywhere. Up. It's where sobs go uh, after their owners yeah. release them uh, into the wild. Um, it's, is, it's like a Black Beauty sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it was pretty mechanically sorted when you got it, right? It had every single receipt. The previous owner took really good care of it. He actually works at a shop in town, which is nice. Wow, nice. And, yeah, so basically the big thing I have to do now is I put a cat back on it, um, Hellcat, and because the previous owner put glass packs and a test pipe on it, and it was pretty rowdy. Let's just Ooh, say that. Whoa. Uh, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I would basically walk out of the car smelling like exhaust fumes. Mm-hmm. But it- you need yeah, you need to have to pass visual inspection in the state, so I just put it back on. It was kind of finicky to I had to cut and weld it to the exhaust, and that's about it. And the other thing I think I did to it was, oh, I do need to do engine mounts at some point because they are shot. Does it uh, make like cool turbo noises and you know All the blow, time. Off, blow off valve it's sounds? Any speed, cool. it's great. Cool. Yeah. Um, the engine, get this, the engine and transmission have never been opened or rebuilt. Wow, that's yeah, that makes sense actually, to me. <laughs> the timing change one hundred fifty thousand miles ago so you know yeah it's ch- this sounds way better than the sob that i had which was a 95 900 se with the v6 it was a 2.5 liter from a an opal uh Oop. and that had the engine open many times you know i had a really dumb observation this relates to sob sort of yes. really sorry mm. to derail us oh, mm. you know so you know like the ultima like the early like the mid 90s generation um you mean the first yeah, the, gen yeah yeah the all yeah the first gen yeah it kind of had kind of a sob like rear like c pillar and like kind of the roof and rear glass and trunk kind of the, that stair step of angles reminds me a lot of the classic Saab shape and I I just, it's a shame they didn't keep that in future generations of Ultima. Uh, yeah, I agree. Cause it went really like the Ultima went yeah. really, uh, Super normal. And, yeah. Like, and, yeah. So that first, I love that first. Frame. I know. Well, that, that's something I just noticed today. I saw one yesterday and I thought, oh, that does, that is kind of like the soft thing. And if with saw being gone now, yeah. uh, it would, it would be kind of cool if that carried on as like, well, they had a, thing. like there was a 900 notchback, uh, the same generation that Blake had mm-hmm. or Blake's car. Uh, they didn't have one. I had a 
an NG900, so a new generation 900. Yes, we know. Yes. That would have looked horrible as a notchback. I am, um, I'm really glad that I bought that as a first car, but I also really regret having that as a first car. Yes. Yeah. So, Blake was about to tell us about how I almost saw his sob last month in Rhode Island. Oh, yeah. But instead, I ended up picking you up at a bar in uh, wherever suburb of Boston. Well, with him. Yes. In a Lexus LS4, uh, 460. Yes. Well, we've already talked about the LS 460 enough that it needs to be warranted, but uh, your sob Guys, it was you a no-show. Like- what happened? What do I look like? A guy who listens to this podcast? I was clarifying because I know you're not someone who listens to this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> the, um, so this is this is a real sob story out there. Am I right, folks? Yeah. Um, I was I was <laughs> I was driving out of Newport for a wedding of a mutual friend who I already mentioned earlier, and yeah, so I was stuck in 95 outside Waltham when all of a sudden just driving around stuck in traffic, and I just hear bang. And it turns out, well, I just had to pull over, and I had AAA, which is nice. I had AAA Premier, which gave me 200 miles of towing. And I got in the, I got in the tow truck, and I had been recommended a sob specialist in Waltham by my the guy Charles, friend of mine, who is a big sob nerd, and yep. he used to work in Waltham, so he used mm-hmm. to take his sob out to this guy all the time. Dropped him off there, and the tow truck driver said, "You know, you got 200 miles of towing. Why don't I just take it down to Newport?" And I was like, uh, "You know, I texted Kevin at this point. And he had just landed, which is nice." And I was like, "You suggest." I could just hang out at this bar around the corner, right? Because the tow truck driver, you know, I don't really like, you know, they're I, nice guys, but I, I don't really like to sit in a tow truck and have awkward conversations Blake, about. I couldn't tell. Was uh, that once a they Boston? Find out you write about cars. They immediately ask you, "What do you think about Teslas?" Is this a Boston and accent so this tow or truck a driver definitely told me many, many theories about Teslas that he had. Blake, was that? A and new- I didn't think I wanted to sit around <laughs> for uh, two hours in Providence traffic listening to Tesla theories. Yeah. So Blake. I ended up going to this bar and just kind of drinking uh, way too many big beers. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin and Laura showed up. So yeah, three hours yeah. later. Yep. Blake, was that okay. a was that a New York accent or was that Blake's a, from Boston? A Boston Boston well, accent. At some point, Boston. And we lost Blake. Hmm. Hmm. Wouldn't say I've been losing. <laughs> okay, so we got to reconnect to Blake. Well, we were just wrapping up the Saab Newport story, so I think Chris had a couple extra... Do you you need to repeat the entire thing? No, no. We got it. Okay. No, yep. Uh, Well, no, I was just asking you, like, was that a Boston... Was that a Boston accent or was that a New York accent you were doing for the tow truck driver? I don't know anymore. I think think it was a Boston accent. I was just in New York. Every taxi driver there... Um, basically has a Jersey accent because I feel like it's part of like the Chamber of Commerce uh, experience to experience what a Jersey accent still sounds like. Yep, yep. Uh, hot water? Water? water. Hot, 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 little, hot dog. I'm walking here. Hot, hot dog. Hot, hot dog. So, uh, what do you think, what do you wish had been your first car, Blake? Ah, uh, NSX. I don't know. Probably, probably like an NA Miata, I think would have been great. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't have a car until after I graduated college. Wow. So, you were, and you yeah. went to Syracuse. Yeah, I went to Syracuse. Not a, big, like, not a big car place. No, they don't have cars there. That, um, that was the original Orange Man. Oh Until, my. until we got our. Orange buffoon. Yes. I uh, am going to pop another beer. Please do. Yeah. Wait, so Kevin, what do you wish was your first car? I don't know. That's a weird question. I feel like when you're in first car... Oh, you know what? Oh, I do have an answer for this. When I was in high school, we had to do a senior project, right? Where you had to like do like a two-semester-long uh, self-directed study in something you like. So yeah. people like well, these exploratory things. I ended up building a computer. But what I really wanted to do was there was a 1979 BMW 633 CSI for sale in my town. Whoa. Ooh. So they went cool one, black with a red interior. And I wanted 
wanted to buy that thing for like two grand and then just rebuild the motor and figure out how to rebuild a motor. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been the senior project. But my parents were like, no. Yeah. No. Back in 2009, my uncle had a perfectly working six series that he bought for like two grand and I drove it around in Connecticut. And yeah. Then, uh, he uh, ended up selling it for, you know, a little bit more. But yeah, I was like, back in, you know, 10 years ago, they were cheap. They were nothing. Yeah. Uh, Growing up, like I had it. just sold it for like, you know, 18,000 bucks. Yeah. So it, for me, it's a question. I think I wish as a first car, all my friends had Hondas yeah. and stuff. So I think if I had a Prelude, it would have been kind of cool to do upgrades and, and things or little tweaks on it. It would have been easier. and yeah. also, or, or an E30, like the Daniel Sloan route, because that kind of, yeah. that would have totally changed my trajectory. Uh, Daniel had a, I think E30. he had like a Maxima as his first car, oh, but then yeah, that's right. he had an E30 as like his second car and he got it for when they were nothing. And yeah. then it, you know, led him down this whole dark road of multiple E46 ownership. Yeah. Uh, really explained. My my neighbor actually his dad worked at a BMW dealer. I think ran a BMW dealership in town. So his son who was actually a giant asshole um had an E30 but it was the 325iX which was the all-wheel drive one but it had the cool body kit. That's cool. That, that is cool cuz I think I don't black, yeah. that would have had to be imported or something cuz the iX wasn't here. No, it was here. Was it's it? It's on him here. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um well that's Ron, cool. I I, that was a cool. I looked at like before I got the Saab. I looked at an E36 318iS, uh, and my parents basically like killed the deal on that. They didn't. They thought it'd be just too unreliable. But little did they know that the Saab <laughs> would be far worse. So. Yeah. Um, but I was obsessed with Volvos at the time. I kind of wish I had gotten like an 850 Turbo or a T5R, but they would have been expensive yeah. then at that and time. And possibly more unreliable than yours. Possibly. Style. So, I mean, my dad had an 850 Turbo at the time, which like required a lot of work. Yeah. So, um, but I wish I had gotten something that I could have worked on, mm-hmm. but... I don't think I was mechanically inclined then or now, really. Yeah. But as that goes, okay. Uh, when I was in high school, I remember trying to make a PowerPoint presentation on why my dad should buy me a Nissan 300 ZX, which back then were $4,000. Wow. Oh, the first gen? Yeah. All- oh, the second twin turbo ones even were like five grand. What? Wait, wow. when this was you like in high school? This was like 2002, I think. Oh my God. I remember. Maybe 2000. I guess, yeah, they would have been 10 years old at that point. Yeah. Yeah. They, they depreciated like crazy because they were like 70, they were like $60,000 cars in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I liked those then too. Like yeah. I thought those were really so cool. Sad. Yeah. So the story actually is I was considering buying this Saab or I was going to consider going to Oakland to buy uh, the really splurge on Richard Chen's 300ZX twin turbo that he was selling. And he oh, would have cut me so a really cool. good deal on it. And I mean, I might, he still has it. I might still buy him. Yeah. Buy it off him. Yeah. yeah. Why not? One day. Yeah. One day. An actually reliable car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, actually, I know someone, when I used, when I did track days and I had my 350Z, I knew a lady and she Z, she tracked her, she, I was going to say she Z'd her track. She tracked her 350Z, but she also had like a green uh, 300ZX twin turbo. Yeah. And it was... It was a bit of work to keep it running. You know, oh I mean, it God. was it was just like just like any you know sports car, like yeah. premium luxury car product. To, yeah. to stay on top of it, but yeah, it was it was a very cool car. Yeah. Very- Kind of on that topic, like that Saab was $10,000, the one that I bought. And so, there were so many cars that you could have bought for like $10,000 at that Good time. Good Lord. I know. It was stupid. Yeah. But um, what would have been, I guess, okay, $10,000, what would have been like a good daily driver? Like, I guess you in today's mean, cars. Today's? Yeah, like today. Today's, today's Let's price. say you were a high schooler today and you no, had, What about just anyone today? Or anyone today. Daily. Yeah. $10,000. I got two I got two words for you. Saab vegan. Yeah. <laughs> That would be the worst thing in the world. 
<laughs> basically the same car. It's basically worse. the same car. Yeah, it really was the same car from like '94 to <laughs> 2002. It was the same car, but they had a thousand changes. They said between uh, the 900 and the 93 when the 93 came out, all of which was in the cup holder mechanism. By the yeah, way, all of which was was cost cutting. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, I don't know. Okay. $10,000 car, what would you get? Like if you uh, could get a daily driver now. I mean, you could get a, you could probably get a really nice NC Miata. Yeah. Or a, uh, maybe an FCRX7. That's not a good daily driver because so it's no. not going to be reliable. But I, um, I mean, I, I guess it depends E40, on what your, like an E46 coupe yeah, would be really cool. It depends on what your needs are too, I guess, yeah. uh, as a daily. Like you need to haul stuff around. So I'm going to eliminate I like. Never needed to haul stuff around. <sighs> Sometimes you need to. I have a wagon because you know, some on you occasion. You know what I would get? You know what I would get? What would you get? Probably, probably a first-gen Boxster. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah why not? Right, the two point five or even. Um, I think you should. Yeah, I would. I am still in that two point five kick. That I think that'd be a really cool one to own. Just yeah, totally. Ex- exceptionally base spec. Totally. Uh, yeah, that would be cool. I don't know. Like, I would probably go with the BMW wagon again, but like E forty six or something. Um, I I was actually trying to convince Jordan, our friend, not Jordan of Modern Air Cool, but other Jordan. Mm-hmm. He's thinking about um getting rid of his E class and just buying like a really cheap daily driver. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's looking at E forty six wagons. Which okay. I think is probably a good idea, but sure, maybe not. Yeah. So uh, it's either that, or if I could find an 850 T5R. Doesn't he love like mediocre Acuras? You get one of those all day long. Hard to say. We were actually talking about that today, like, and he's into that idea as well, which I'm may sure or may not be is. a good idea. It would be mediocre, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like we kind of glossed over some of Blake's accomplishments in the writing, but he is really one of the uh, the best, most interesting writers doing car things in journalism and this uh, is true. I wanted no no, no I wanted to I wanted That's to bad. give you recognition for one specific thing Blake <laughs> was that you reach out to younger writers and people in the industry and it's not just they come it's not just the people that come to you and say help me advice like you give me advice like what can I do help me out like you approach people and say like you you know I think you've got it and you know and I want to help you along and and you include people and you're very inclusive and you're not just socializing within the people within the community already or the established people but you you know you are reaching and and helping everyone and I've noticed that and I just think that's really cool yeah and uh it's a good thing well this makes me sound like some kind of senior statesman even though I'm just a giant dipshit but (laughs) yeah some yeah but this is this is a shit post for a cause mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know you are you are you are online you're less online you're less on twitter which is healthy for anyone and yeah. uh but yeah it's 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 for good like you do you do good things you know what i really want to just honestly in this industry it's so tough to get by anyway if you don't know anyone so my whole goal is you know why make things difficult for other people just try to help as many people as you can um I cause it like I seize it, I suppose. And, you know, I've been fortunate to interact with a lot of really cool people who are younger than me. You know, I'm 48 years old. I'm mm-hmm. 78, actually. But, um, and, uh, you know, I just want everyone to succeed probably, you know, way past where I am right now anyway. So, um, you know, we've been lucky enough to be in various group chats with very cool, funny people with actual personalities, by the way. I think that's very key. You actually have to have a personality to be oh, in this yeah. industry. Or you should because so many people don't. And that's what stan- makes you, know, you stand out. Yeah. Yeah. 
you have to have a sense of humor. You have to have maybe not necessarily our level of irony poisoning that we do right now. Mm. Yeah, but, uh, that's a good word. That's a, a good really phrase. Good, that's a really good, good phrase. Term. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's you what know, led you to buy a saw. Let me buy a saw, semi ironically, but now it's great. And then you know, it's led us to really get into that seven hundred seven Hellcat phase of our time back when it was a more innocent time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I'm still in that phase. I still love you, you know, and I, I make Hellcat Day a thing. He really is. I invented oh, Hellcat Day, yeah. July seventh, but. Yeah. Um, give you a seven Hellcat. It should give you a Hellcat. So I, well, now it's like eight forty. So what is it like? What's the maximum power now? Like nine hundred forty-eight thousand. Uh, yeah, it's some number less than seven oh seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Mm-hmm. You know what? Just, I don't know. I'm not going to be impressed until I build a Hellcat with sixty-nine horsepower. That's true. <laughs> there should be a there should be like a key. Yeah, like where you can just turn it past the fast mode into sixty-nine horsepower mode. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice mode. Yep. Um. So I had one more question, Blake. Was uh. You, I think you know how I feel, but what do you think of the state of cars today? You drive, you drive some newer stuff. You drive mm. things. You see the announcements. Like, what do you think of the cars of the state of cars now? You know what? I was just talking about this to a friend today, and I was thinking that every new car is good, which is a very cliche thing to say, but. Every new car basically has like, you know, this whole state of safety features, you know, the automatic lane keep assist or maybe adaptive cruise control and not a brake and everything like that. You see that trickling down to newer and newer cars now. Mm-hmm. Um, I might pull a controversial Bradley Brownell kind of route where I'm too much of an enthusiast to really care about new cars in the sense that, one, we build too many cars a year anyway. Mm. Um, the planet's dying. We're all going to go to hell. Uh, we're always going to end flames. And, you know, we buy too many new cars. We're attracted by shiny things there's a million cars out there just cluttering up junkyards that aren't getting recycled fast enough i think the production of cars is what's also helping kill the planet not just the use of cars and you know this whole suite of technologies really just make people much more numb actual responses or driving anything like that you know i was driving a new car last week and uh it had it rode really nice it felt great it didn't really feel any more distinguishable than any other car that was new that i had driven and you know you could honestly just fall asleep in that thing just going down the freeway at 85 miles an hour and you might kill someone but you know it's that's their problem not yours you know you're in a crossover you have to have a bigger car you have to have a bigger and bigger car because it's an arms race to be a bigger bigger uh car driving band big boy band big beef band that's right yep gotta drive crossover boy yeah um so i i just you know i've been the last couple months i've actually been really educating myself about like you know alternate forms of transit and um just how how cars have been fundamentally detrimental to the environment and how cars have been kind of just encapsulating all these terrible things about the world not to get to trap chop trap house on it but there are like elements of you know you know lead poisoning and uh factory pollution and racism socially engineered <laughs> racism and everything like that and uh just capitalism on hinge in general yeah. but that's neither here nor there i don't want to expand on that too much because i sound like an insane person but no no, no. you you uh, covered it you covered it really well yeah i mean that's it's, it's, it's a consumer product like anything else. It is like, you know, created by a corporation like anything yeah. else whose only product is to make money. And I mean, maybe I want to step back from that sort of thing. Maybe I do want to um, uh, explore I mean, the idea that cars belong in the city. You know, you should only drive a car if you want to drive a car because it's fun. If you want to go right. up north trip, have fun, go on a go on like a Texas Treffin or some kind of rally that go on a sob drive or, and it break down eventually, but only because you're enjoying it as part of the experience. If you have to drive a car every single day for the rest of your life to get to 
work, that's miserable. And I feel really bad for anyone who has to do that. So you might be moving to New York. Is that is that a possibility? That's where this kind of idea and thinking kind of came from. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's a really progressive way of looking at automotive enthusiasm, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's not just progressive, but it also combines our enthusiasm with the realities of the world. You well, know? No, yeah, that's you just it. The only way that it's going to survive, because you can't just, you know, stomp your foot down and say, like, nope, the only good things in the world are, like, old cars and uh, we just got to keep trucking forward with that interest but like actually taking a look at how we can better uh better look at the context of cars in the world that we live today like the world has changed significantly but the automotive industry hasn't isn't reacting in that way necessarily it is a little bit uh it's trying trying, but at its core it's still like churning out cars like just generic random cars to fulfill like niche market needs like i think more now than ever yeah like it's insane how many different models there are out there just to fulfill this one little tiny need and it's silly um but it's business yeah by the way the the racism thing i mentioned does refer to the expansion of the u.s freeway system back in the 50s 60s and 70s no i think you're just Um, talking about chevrolet and their plants but in ohio (laughs) specifically But um, no, the the whole car thing is the fact that, you know, the economy hasn't really recovered since 2008. Everyone needs one car to do everything. You can't afford to have necessarily two, three cars. And so that's why everyone buys crossovers, because one, people are getting older in this country, so they're easier to get into. Two, if the, if there's like bad weather or you got to go off road, maybe on one camping trip every three, five years, then you have that for sure. that. Yeah. And three, put a bunch of shit in it. So, you know, yeah. you can put all your big toys and for big boys. Maybe. I mean, here in Houston, we don't have the camping trips. We do have the bad weather pretty frequently. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> you know, well, regular you know, flo- regular 500-year floods every six months. When there's a, when there's a hurricane, you're in, you're in your Honda CRV. No, actually, you're probably in your like Ford Edge, and you're like, you know, I can totally cross this river. That'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, mm. be great. That's why they so, call it a crossover. Crossover right. that river. <laughs> Just gotta ford that river. Work on trail, baby. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So cars. You know, the more you think and more you mature as an enthusiast, the more you kind of are able, hopefully, to realize that cars have good and bad aspects to it, but it shouldn't dampen your enthusiasm, but it should cause you to think differently about their day-to-day use. So I, I'm lucky enough to sell my very reliable modern car, modern car, um, to buy a horrific uh, old Saab because I live in a city that I could just walk to the grocery store and ride a bike. So I don't really even drive the Saab very often. But when I do, it's awesome. So there you go. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Very That's cool. the way you should do very good points. Uh, no, that's a good. I think that is a good, good perspective. Place to wrap up. Yeah, and uh, good place wait, wait, to wrap you up. Talked about the goofy cassettes yet? What about all these cassettes? <laughs> You're like <laughs> Professor Frink at the episode, the end of the episode, where he's like, "What about the no, no, no?" And, and then like, we just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fun. Listen, I know this is a visual medium, but look, look at this cool Miami Vice cassette I bought for five bucks today. Oh that's wow! Look at those good. colors. Look at those vibrant <laughs> colors. We actually have the uh, camera taped up so that we. <laughs> <laughs> and faced away so we can't actually see what he's talking about um we saw it before he showed us this is the fourth time he yeah. showed us the tapes. and if you can imagine listeners like his bedroom is just cassette tapes stacked up to the ceiling he wishes he's just surrounded and that one day just, this will be his demise when they all collapse i have a power glove and a poster of cory feldman in my bedroom it's great <laughs> hey me too <laughs> he, he didn't know he was recording a podcast he yeah. thought he was on the line with cory yeah <laughs> like lisa simpson Very <laughs> The um, I did buy a period correct 1985 Saab uh, three page foldout brochure Ooh. that I will be the guy who leaves like Saab period correct accessories, aka Saab accessories. Hey, are you when gonna I- get the louvers? Oh yeah, you should get the louvers. <laughs> 
Some louvers. Thank you all for PayPaling me, by the I way. Chipped, I chipped in 25 bucks. Amazing. I did not all spend it on cassettes yet or okay. drugs or beer. I might spend it on beer. But yeah, I am tracking down some louvers. I might have a couple connections. Um, you know, it's interesting about the saw because it did come from Europe. And the European, there's a set of European louvers and there's a set of American louvers. The American louvers are the cool metal ones with the jagged lines and the sob imprinted on the side. The European ones are plastic and more straightforward looking. But I kind of like the European ones more because of that period correct detail. Ooh, yeah. Wow. I agree. I didn't even know. Just didn't know. We learn things every day, which I I'm going to do as hard. I'm going to try as hard as I can to drink and lose that memory. Yep. I think that's a podcast. I think that's a podcast. Thank podcast. you, uh, Blake Z. Wrong. Uh, yeah. You want to plug anything? Um, I have a very bad Twitter. Mm-hmm. But it's- you don't use that. <laughs> I don't use it. Um, just follow me on Instagram. It's the same thing. What is it? B-Z-R-O-N-G. Okay. There you yeah. Go. Just find me on Instagram. And um, I might po- probably post a couple of things I've done since then. Okay. Um, pipeline. So I am working on a couple projects. And I will announce those on probably Twitter if you actually do follow, follow me on Twitter. So there you go. Amazing. Fantastic. All right. Great. Thanks again. Yeah. And we actually didn't you even... Guys- we didn't introduce the podcast. What podcast? This podcast. What's it called? New for... 96. All right. Bye. That's a wrap. I have decided to call into this week's podcast, but the phone screener told me that Bill.